Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our Brilliance Bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We have a guest today who um, I am just meeting, but feel like I know her because I met her, air quotes here, through a LinkedIn post that she wrote. Um, Melanie Bradshaw is a registered nurse and has had a year like no one can believe or should ever have had. But through that entire thing, she exhibited so many of the brilliantly resilient things that we talk about that we wanted to have her on the show. So Melanie, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me guys. So glad to be here. Um, You, as I said, I met you uh, or came across you uh, through LinkedIn, through a post that um, an organization called the Female Lead shared and reran. And I'm just going to to mention a little bit of what you went through. In 2021, you were an ER nurse taking care of COVID patients. You were in a major auto accident. You took care of your 85-year-old father who was positive for COVID. I'll let you get into that story yourself. Changed jobs and then were diagnosed with breast cancer. And your attitude was, 2021 was tough, but I was tougher. And I was like, I needed a drink after I read that post. You and me both. What what a year. So take us through what happened there and certainly then how you managed to survive these sucker punches. So, you know, I will tell you, I have had rough years before, um, probably as everybody has, but I've never had a year where it was just hit after hit after hit, after hit. And, you know, it started off, um, you know, in 2020, I had been working in the ER taking care of um, COVID patients, like you said, and hadn't seen my family um, in a year and was really nervous about, you know, bringing COVID home. And so I didn't want to get around anybody. Um, I did what you've probably heard other people do, take my scrubs off, you know, in the garage and um, was really, really careful. So when January of 2021 came around, we decided to rent a, um, a cabin um, about six hours away and just our little, you know, family that we knew were all healthy. Um, we're going to go and finally celebrate Christmas and about two hours uh, outside of my hometown on our way, I was rear-ended by an oversized pickup truck um, at a uh, red light and he was texting and I had less than a thousand miles on this new SUV. And so we had all of our luggage and our presence in the back. And I just thought, you know, you've, you've got to be kidding me. I needed this so, so badly. So Obviously the, the back door, um, you know, was crunched in, but I said, is it drivable? 
you know, everybody was fine. Thank goodness. And I said, is it drivable? Because nothing is stopping me. We mm-hmm. are, we are going forward. I need this. So I got in, insurance information and I just made phone calls, um, you know, on the way and we kept going. And so we had our trip, came home, um, took the vehicle to the shop. I ended up not being able to get it back for four months because we weren't being able to get parts from Asia. Oh and, yeah. So, um, so anyway, in my, um, in my little rental car, um, which was fine, um, went back to work and got my second dose of the, um, Pfizer COVID vaccine on January the 8th. And about a week later, my mom, who I had not seen again, I knew I was being exposed, did not want to expose my parents, um, tested positive and was admitted to the hospital. And so my dad was left at home and he, at the time, um, here in the Houston hospitals, they were not allowing visitors with, if you had, you know, COVID, if you were in an isolated unit. And so my dad said, I don't want to go to a hospital just to die alone. I would rather die at home. And he was of sound mind. And my sister's also a nurse and we decided to honor his wishes. And so we were taking care of him at home. Now, yeah. if, let me interrupt here for a minute, if you don't mind, was, was he ill or was this from COVID? So he had, he had, he had had previous heart attacks. Um, he had stents and he had some, um, pulmonary fibrosis, which we're not sure, you know, where he got, um, and he was diabetic. And so I knew that if he ever got this, that it was going to take him mm-hmm. and he knew that as well. And so when he tested positive, he said, I, I just want to die at home. And my sister and I, as hard as it was, we wanted to honor his wishes. Um, you know, we've taken care of numerous patients over the years, and we strongly believe in, um, you know, dying with dignity and, um, you know, being advocates for our patient. And so here our dad was our patient. A week into caring for him, and I was wearing all my PPE. I had on my N95 and I had on my gown and you know my um, safety glasses and gloves. Um, a week later, which was two weeks after my second dose, I tested positive for COVID. And not feeling well myself, I said, Dad, you know, I, I can't continue to take care of you. Um, we need to get you to a hospital. You know, it's the, it's the best, you know, thing that we can do for you. And at this point, his oxygen levels were down um, in the low eighties and he didn't have the strength to stand on his own. So we get dad admitted and I hugged him for what I knew would be the last time. Went home, went into quarantine upstairs, um, praying that I wouldn't get my, my family, uh, my, my husband and my, my adult son um, sick. And I began planning uh, a funeral for my father. I knew that, you know, he wasn't going to be discharged. And um, sure enough, unfortunately, two weeks later, he did succumb um, to COVID. Was your mom in the hospital still at that point? My mom was discharged the same day that dad was admitted. Oh, Oh my goodness. So, so yeah, it was really rough. And so she was, um, continuing her recovery at home on oxygen, you know, dealing with this. And so dad was an army vet and wanted to be buried at the national cemetery. Mm -hmm. And 
we had scheduled that date for February 16th. And a very odd thing happened on February the 16th. The city of Houston got the coldest temperatures that we had ever received. Mm. And the city literally froze. And it was not safe to be on the roads. We're not prepared for that kind of weather. And we don't have chains. And the National Cemetery for the first time ever in history closed. And the funeral home said, I'm sorry, it's too dangerous. And we didn't want any of our friends or family, you know, to risk anything. And so we had to postpone, you know, that again. And I really needed to, to put him to rest. I needed that closure. Um, but I had a coworker who had been covering shifts for me while I was in quarantine. So I decided to go to the ER and, um, relieve her. And, uh, we were working overnight. That's what happens in an, in the hospital when weather is really bad, you hunker down and you sleep in the hospital. And so they had cots for us, um, but our power was out. You might've heard about how the power grid um, in Texas failed and they were doing rolling blackouts. So we were sleeping in frigid temperatures and we did have generator backup power, but that was only for life-saving devices and a few lights um, for our patients. And so I think it was the busiest day that we ever had had up to that point um, in the ER. We had, uh, you know, older folks out walking their dogs, um, on the ice and slipping and breaking bones. And, um, anyway, we finally got to bury him, um, 10 days later. And, um, that was huge for me I needed, you know, that healing. And I just had been feeling so overwhelmed with all of COVID and decided, you know, I needed to kind of step away. Um, I had gotten my master's degree while working nights, um, in 2020, and decided to use that degree um, in a different role within the same hospital institution. So in April, I stepped away from the bedside to take on a completely different role um, at a different facility within the same employer and uh, decided to try something new. And things were going great. Um, I now work with uh, trauma survivors, oddly enough. So these are our patients who have... uh, had traumatic incidents, whether it be car accidents, uh, car motorcycle, um, falls, um, you know, gunshot wounds. And I work in supporting those patients and educating our community and how they can prevent being, you know, one of those patients. Things are moving along. I'm building great programs. I feel like life is finally back on track. I'm in a really good place. And then in July, I went in for my annual mammogram And the radiologist, knowing that I was a nurse, sat me down and said, gotta let you know, I'm concerned with what I've seen. And I said, all right, well, I'm medical, you're medical, give it to me straight. And she said, I'm concerned. And she just would leave it at that. So knowing I've, I've read radiology reports plenty of times working in the ER. I got access to my report and I read it and I, I thought, oh gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and there was, there was that fleeting minute where I wanted to say, why me? And then I thought, no, why not me? You know, one in eight women will receive the diagnosis of breast cancer 
So why not me? And I immediately started trying to assemble my team and I don't work in oncology. So I had as many questions as, you know, you would, if, if it had happened, you know, to you. And, um, in September, I underwent a double mastectomy and, uh, in October, I went underwent another surgery because they did not get clear margins. So they had to go back and take more tissue. And tomorrow I have my third surgery, uh, reconstructive surgery, and hopefully that will be the last one. Um, I'm very fortunate. Um, I did not have to undergo chemotherapy, um, this time and I'm declared cancer free. And so I'm hoping that things will stay that way. And cause I still have a lot of big things to do and a lot of people, um, that I want to help, you know, as a result. Wow. Wow. I'm so <laughs> curious to know how you, what is it? Is it your past experiences? Is it your parents? Is there a faith base here? What is it that makes you not say why me? And instead say, why not me? Uh, it, it's several of those things that you mentioned, you know, I was born to a teenage mom who, um, divorced very early when I was one and she set the example for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we had our apartment and our cars vandalized, you know, multiple times. And I can only imagine how difficult you know, it was for her to survive all of those things at that age alone, you know, with a small child, but I never, ever knew that we were suffering. Um, and I never saw her, you know, fall apart. It, we just, we just carried on. And I will say that there was, you know, there was a period of my life, probably, you know, mostly in high school, um, where I really doubted myself you know, I think like most girls do, unfortunately. And I let those insecurities follow me, you know, through most of my adult life. And I'm, I'm a deeply, you know, spiritual person. Um, faith is important to me, but faith doesn't always turn off the anxiety switch mm. and it doesn't always turn off the depression switch. And it doesn't always cancel out those voices in your head that tell you, I can't do this and I'm not strong enough. And I tell you when the, the switch really flipped for me was in March of 2021 after losing my dad and the accident, um, and, and being so overwhelmed with my job. And, and it was kind of a toxic, um, environment if I'm being honest. And I met up with an old high school friend of mine who happens to be a librarian, and she recommended a book for me. And at the time, it was uh, Kristen Hanna's bestseller, The Four Winds. And if you guys haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it because Elsa Martinelli, who is the main character, there was a lot of parallels there. And Elsa, as you're reading, um, you know, it's so obvious to the reader how incredibly strong this woman is. It takes place in Texas, so it was very familiar to me, um, you know, in the Dust Bowl during the Great Depression. And this woman overcomes and overcomes and overcomes and overcomes and fights for her family, family and fights for herself and then ends up fighting for her community. And she doesn't realize how strong she is until she's 40, you know, at the end of the book. And that hit me. I'm just like Elsa. 
I've been strong this whole time. I just couldn't see that. And it's sad to me that it, I didn't realize it until I was 50, you know, like her later in life, but at least I've realized it now. And there are so many women who have gone before us, you know, even though Elsa is a fictional character, you know, we look at all the women in the war, um, in, I mean, just throughout history, you know, women have persevered and persevered and had grit and been resilient. And so that's what, that's just what I continue to do. You know, there's no well, other I, choice. You, you say so many things that resonate so much with us. And this is where Kristen and I always say, you often find your brilliance in the midst of these challenges. 100%. When you're in those lowest of low places, at that moment, you just get through. You just do what you have to do. You do what you have to do. But if you are lucky and someone tells you or you do a little bit of work on yourself and, and look back at what you've experienced, you have that moment where you go, oh my gosh. Yes. And so I guess my question to you is, now that you you know that, do you embrace that as a part of you? And does it make you for lack of a better term, braver going forward. Do you do, cause Kristen and I are both like, okay, you know, we don't want it, but bring it, we'll figure it out. You know, that's where we're at sure. after all this stuff. For sure. I would be lying if I said, I'm looking forward to the next crisis. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm hoping that 22, 22 is a little bit kinder. Cause I could use a, you know, a breath. A of break. Breath. You could use, you could a, use break. a little break. <laughs> But I will tell you that I 100% believe that growth is really found in the valleys. Mm. You know, it's not found in the mountains. And I need a moment on the mountain just so that I can see the beauty and appreciate everything that I went through last year. And I think that being on the mountaintop gives us that opportunity to kind of recharge so that when we have to go back down into the valley of real life, and we can't escape it, no one escapes it, you know, then we'll be ready. And I, I like um, Albert Einstein said that um, there's only one road to greatness, to human greatness, and it's the road through human suffering. Hmm. Agreed. And so I good. don't think, I don't think that I would be the strong woman that I am today, had I not gone through, you know, trial after trial after trial after trial. And I think it's when we're able to flip that script and to say, this adversity is a blessing because it's going to take me to the next level. It's going to make me stronger. And I saw my cancer as a blessing the entire way. I learned more in the last 12 months than I've learned in the last 20 years. And for that, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know what, you're reminding me of, of two things that come to mind now when, when all of these things keep hitting me it, and shifting my perspective this way has changed everything for me. One is our friendship Baker, who is also from Houston. I'll have to introduce you guys. Um, he says, he even wrote a book titled grow through your go through. So if you look at it as an opportunity to grow, it's a whole different perspective on whether you're going to be feeling broken or brilliant, right? 
And the other mantra that I've had, in, especially the past six months has been, this is happening for me, not to me. Yes. Yes. And looking for that, for the growth that I can have. And then also you mentioned the mountaintop and recharging. What I used to do was get through the valley, right? Then on the mountaintop, rest, celebrate, you know, all of that, as opposed to now I do that, but I also am, I'm even um, more receptive to new tools and new information when I'm in celebration mode, so I can get ready. Cause like you said, I know the next one's coming. (laughs) So now I'm going to, I'm going to see what else can I gather to be ready for it? For sure. For sure. Um, I believe that as well. And I have realized that, you know, we have a lot of palm trees um, down on the coast, uh, you know, in Galveston. And because this is kind of hurricane country, you'll see that a lot of our pine trees break, you know, our oak trees break, but the pine tree, the, the palm trees never do. And I always try to, that's kind of my mantra is be the palm tree. Because with every wind, with every storm that comes through, it gets stronger. Its roots get stronger. And so that's kind of what I think, you know, when those winds are thrashing, girl, you know, dig your roots in. This is where you're getting stronger. And when you think about, oh my gosh, I don't think if I I could take another hit. You say, no, you know what? I can get through this because I got through A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, right? Um, I think, I think that's exactly the, the, uh, Kristen and I, first of all, you're more evolved than Kristen and I, because we never say our struggles are blessings. We say they sucked, but they just really, (laughs) they just really sucked. We learned a lot of stuff, but there's a big part of them that just sucked, you know, like you can't sugarcoat it. But that being said, um, I think that as you go through these things, you do become more reflective. And as I said, it's not in the moment because in the moment you're just like, what do I got to do to get through this? You know, but afterwards to be able to look back at it and first of all, realize the inherent strength that you have. And then secondly, to kind of take it a step further and look out into the world and go, you know what, there are things out there, like you compare yourself to a palm tree, Mm -hmm. that kind of lead us along that way, if we're willing to see it. Yes. Um, You have to be willing to reframe. You really do. Um, I lost my train of thought. I was going to say, we lose our train of thought all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, that's just part of having gone I know, through haven't, all this haven't stuff. had enough coffee. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that any of this was easy, that I had a smile on my face, you know, the whole time. Um, it did suck, you know, it did mm-hmm. suck, you know, through it. I think that, you know, learning to be present and learning mindfulness Mm-hmm. has been huge for me. And especially with the PTSD that comes with trauma and, you know, receiving a diagnosis of cancer is trauma. Mm-hmm. We have to, we have to focus on the present because I can't, I can't waste today worrying about the next thing that's going to hit, mm-hmm. you know, and I did, I did that for a while and you're right. When you're in it, it's all about survival. It's like, I can do this. I get my team of surgeons. All right. It's, you know, schedule the, the surgery, take the meds. It's all good. And then afterwards 
you have time to reflect and you go, whoa, was that just supposed to be a blip on the radar? Like, how do, how do I just move forward and pretend that that didn't happen? Mm -hmm. And we don't have to pretend that it didn't happen. You know, we can acknowledge it and we can grieve it. Um, but we also, if we want to move forward in a healthy mental way, we have to say, this is what I learned from it. This is what I gained from it. This is why I'm glad it happened because this is who I am now. And I wouldn't be who I am now if that hadn't happened. So you have to be glad that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is very evolved. (laughs) You know, right. We talk about that we, you know, the, the brilliantly resilient process is broken into three areas and it's the reset after something happens and then the rise, you know, moving on and, and, um, and then uncovering your brilliance. But like, there's a, there's a new R in there that you just mentioned that we I'm thinking need to hone in on a little more in the reset and the rise is the reflect. Mm-hmm. Cause That's- it is, it is pretty amazing when you do reflect back in the, in the four points that you just talked about and get the lessons from it to be able to move forward in a new way. Um, I like that. I, I haven't thought much about the word reflect, but it is a huge piece of the process. It, it definitely is. And um, it is for, you know, for any, you know, trauma survivor um, to, to reflect and acknowledge and to be kind to yourself, hmm. you know, to just, you really- know, I think that is so huge that you just said that because um, you mentioned earlier that for a long time, you dealt with the insecurities and I'm not good enough and I'm not going to be enough and all that. And I think we tend to look at those things based on what we think think might happen in our lives. But then when we go through these kinds of experiences that you went through and you, you look back and you do that reflecting as Kristen and you both just said, that's when you get that moment where you go, holy cow. Like if your best friend had gone through the stuff, you'd just be singing her praises and saying, oh my gosh, do you realize how strong you are? So we do have to take those moments to, to say that about ourselves. So that those things that we went through then become skills that we know we have. And as Kristen and I always say, you can transfer them to the next sucker punch, you know, or the next thing that you're going to, to go through, or maybe build something with those skills. That's positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, I didn't do this alone. Um, I, I appreciate all of the comments, you know, that I got on LinkedIn. And, you know, when I shared this, I had about 400 connections and I thought that maybe a couple of my former, you know, nursing school students or uh, classmates would see it or a couple of former coworkers. And I had no idea it's been seen by almost 3 million people. And I, you know, people were, were saying things that I wasn't comfortable with, you know, calling me a hero, calling me a wonder woman. And I thought, no, 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 no. You know, that, that you're, you're very kind and I appreciate that, but I'm not worthy of those words. And now that it's been two months of all of you are, (laughs) I'm just going to say, yeah, you are. (laughs) I really, I think that I've been able to sit back and allow myself to feel like, okay, you know, you, you did do something here pretty remarkable, but I also have replied in many of these comments and said, 
Um, yes, I had a hard year, but there were lots of people that hard, had a hard year. And there were a lot of people that had an even harder year. And so, you know, their stories aren't out there. I think it's important for us, one, to realize, you know, we never know what anyone is going through, you know, because people do go through, you know, hit after hit after hit. And some people said, well, you know, don't be afraid, you know, to ask for help. It's okay to not be okay. And I said, oh, trust me. You know, I had to find my tribe. I had to find, you know, my support team. I did get the help, you know, of a therapist. I did um, have an oncology, you know, social, you know, worker. These weren't skills that just, you know, boom, came out of nowhere. Um, these were coping skills that I've gotten, you know, from books. I mean, this is a great book that I love called, um, I don't know if you can see in the, I think it's blurring it, but it's oh, yeah. Resilience by uh, Eric Greetens. Mm. Um you know, learning about Eckhart Tolle and the power of, of the now, you know, and learning to be present. So, you know, I, I don't want to take credit fully, you know, because I did have, you know, a really good system, uh, support system. And I think that, you know, anybody has to have that and has to find that, well, but yeah, it's just I mean, a sheer will yeah. and determination to not fail and to say, this isn't going to be the thing. Yes. Until it is the thing that takes me home. I'm just going to yeah. keep going and keep fighting. So many of the things that you are saying reflect everything that we talk about in terms of being brilliantly resilient. I mean, when you're hit with that sucker punch, you control the controllables. And very often that does involve when you're involved in something that you have no frame of reference on. I mean, Kristen often says the first blind child she ever met was her son. The, the, I had no idea how to deal with a heroin addict. So for both of us and for you too, it, it, it's about c controlling the controllables is realizing you don't have control. Yeah. So who can I bring into my tribe, which is another thing we talk about that can help me to develop the skill sets that I need. And I would just add one more thing. I think with the, um, the idea that, you know, you're not a wonder woman, you're not a hero. I think that's a very normal reaction for all of us as women, for every person. I mean, you know, if you're at all, if you have any kind of sense of, of self-deprecation, you're like, no, 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 that's me. Yeah. But I guess, as you said something about flipping the script earlier, I would flip the script and say that we all have the potential to be wonder woman. We all have the potential to be heroes in our own lives, the hero of our own story. Um, and very often that has to do with saying, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So I need help. And then you amass those skills and get through it. 100%. And then I think, you know, for those of us, you know, you with the, you know, the heroin addiction with the, the blind child, um, we are not experts on those, but we quickly become expert on mm -hmm. those. And then I think it is, again, if you can see it as a blessing, then it's our responsibility to turn around and teach others what we've learned yeah. and to support others. Well, it's like, that's the epitome of the hero's journey, right? That you go on your hero's journey, but then to become the guide in someone else's and many other people's hero's journeys, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate goal. Right. We got to pay it forward. And that's how, that's how we get through this life. Agreed. I, I would exactly agree. There's so many things that you said to us today that hit on everything that we talk about in living a brilliantly resilient life. And one of the things that we try to do 
is uh, bring people, our, our audience and people, the resources that we didn't have. We try to be that ourselves and we try to bring those people to our audience. And you certainly served as a resource today. So I, I want to thank you for sharing your story, for being kind enough to come on, especially the day before you have yet another major surgery. Good God, woman. Um, and tell us, if you would, where people can either learn more about you, maybe reach out to you, touch base with you. Where can they find you, Melanie? So right now, probably the best way is uh, through my LinkedIn account. Um, it's Melanie Bradshaw. And my profile picture right now is a picture in me um, in scrubs. Um, and I'm kind of flexing because I'm, I'm feeling good about uh, surviving uh, cancer. And, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, I can continue to learn and that I can continue to share and that I can continue to support um, just trying to you know, build a community right now who is interested in, you know, hearing, um, you know, the positive messages that I have to bring and, you know, who knows where, where that will take, but, uh, I have, uh, I have a degree in speech communication outside of my, my nursing degree and always wanted to be a, a motivational speaker. And really quick, I'll tell you a little story. When I was about 30, um, I had went to a, uh, I had the opportunity to listen to a motivational speaker. And when she got done, I went up to her and I said, you know, I, I want to be a motivational speaker. How do you get into it? And she said, honey, you're too young. You, you don't have enough experience. You don't have enough stories to tell. And I was really offended at the time and didn't understood what, you know, understand what she, what she meant. Now I do. Now you do. <laughs> now I do. And now I think I have the stories and I have uh, the messages. And, um, so, you know, God willing, um, you know, if he provides those opportunities to me, then, you know, I'll get out there and just share. Love it. I love, I love that you're going to do that because you do have so much knowledge. And I'm thinking of all of our listeners that are sitting in the pit of why does all this keep happening? Cause that's probably a majority of our audience right now. They are getting hit after hit after hit and it is just beating them down into broken and trying to gather resources now for them, for us to give to them, to serve them, to come out of that broken. And you are, you are a phenomenal resource right when we need you. So, and uh, we'll have to connect you to some folks to help you get out there and, and share the message with more people. I'd love that. I thank you so much for having me. And, you know, to those listeners who are in that pit right now, just realize um, as hard as it is that you're going to come out braver and stronger and wiser. And uh, I hope that you take the opportunity, you know, to pay it forward as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melanie. Everybody has the opportunity to come through brilliant, not broken. So thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody check out Melanie, follow her on LinkedIn. She is, as you clearly can tell, an amazing person and epitomizes what it is like to live a brilliantly resilient life with a brilliantly resilient mindset. And I'm going to turn it over to my buddy who always takes us out. <laughs> Listen, thanks so much, Melanie. Make sure everybody goes and checks her out. And if you are, if you are still looking for resources to do your own reset, rise and reveal of your brilliance, go to brilliantlyresilient.net, blink three times. And this magic window appears where you just have to put in your email and then you can get a bit of brilliance from us every week. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.